You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Hey, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. How's it? Good. Dude, I, I like it when you guys talk back. That's good. Some of you are very good. Some of you are, you know, still, I don't know what the deal. It's all good. It's all good. We're waking up. We're coming to life together. Um, hey, my name's Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at Shorebreak, and we are so thankful to have you here with us today, that you would take your Sunday morning to worship Jesus with us. And uh, I want you to hear me clearly on this. We're not a moral people who've got life all together, who are coming together with other moral people. We are messed up sinners, all of us, in desperate need of the grace of God. And that is why we are here. That is why we submit our lives under the authority of the scriptures. That's why we want to drink deeply from the well of God's word, because we believe that as we drink from the words of Jesus, we put ourselves under the authority of the scriptures. We are drinking from waters of which we will never thirst again. And if you don't know Jesus, we pray that you would come to know Jesus as the result of God's grace today. We're thankful to have you here. None of us deserve him, but he has given us his grace freely. Um, Why don't you stand now for the reading of God's word? For our series here in the Lord's Prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 9. You can say this aloud if you want with me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You can say that too. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you that you love us greatly. Oh, how you have loved us. God, you tell us in your word that you so loved the world. Not a small love. An exceedingly great and intense love. Not to creatures who are lovable, but to us, God, who desperately need it, who do not deserve it. So, Father God, we ask for your presence to manifest himself here. Send your spirit, Lord. May we hallow your name. We ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in this church, in Kona, as it is in heaven. God, be our portion. Fulfill our soul. May we be convinced by your word today that you are, in fact, our provider. 
Lord Jesus, empty me of myself. Fill me with your spirit and help us all to have ears to hear what the spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Hey, this message, um, some messages preach to the head more than they do to the heart. Other messages really preach more to the heart than to necessarily like theological truth. Um, Though you never abandon one or the other, this would be probably more towards the heart today than it is uh, than than the head. Obviously, we don't we never engage in affection with Jesus without using our brains. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So it's not one or the other; it's both and. But today is really speaking more to our hearts, specifically with these truths. And so, while you may be familiar with them, I would pray that they would find refreshment for your soul this morning. And maybe these are new for you, and if so, be blessed by them. We've learned that prayer is not manipulating God. God, you need to fit into my life. I have my life, um, and you need to conform yourself to my will. These are my needs, and you need to come. In fact, I, I have a bill coming up tomorrow, and yeah, right? Or, God, I, I really have this desire, and I expect you to come through on your desire. And so what we, what we do is we often try to morph God to conform to our wills, when in reality, prayer is not manipulating God to fit into our wills. Prayer is the alignment of our lives under His ultimate sovereign will. Prayer changes us. Prayer transforms us. It is through prayer that our minds are renewed and our hearts are reshaped to the will of God. And Jesus is revealing to us that the nucleus of prayer is self-abandonment. That as a slave is to a master, as a citizen to his king or her king, as a child to its parents, so the children of God are called to ultimate submission to the will of Father God. Which is why when we pray, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we genuinely believe in our prayers that God's will is great. And prayer then is the absolute surrender to the absolute power of God. So before we ask anything for God, which we're not saying you never come before God in need, but before you bring your desires and your needs before God, the the child of God's greatest desire is to see God's will be fulfilled. The greatest desire of the children of God is that more than our will, His will would be done. Before we ask for daily bread, we ask him to do what he would please. So to pray your will be done is asking for God to accomplish his greater purposes above our own desires. All right, so prayer. From the Lord's Prayer, from how Jesus here is teaching us how to pray, prayers coming before Father God, Hallowed be his name is the worship of this God because his name is greater than any other name. 
your will be done then is the surrendering of all our life to his sovereignty. And these ingredients that make up prayer, these elements that Jesus adds into the Lord's Prayer, do we see it's Father, worship, surrender, and today, petition. Asking, requesting of God. Because our focus for today is verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. It's asking. See, Jesus here is inviting us to ask of God. Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray like this. Give us. You ask of Father God. You go to Father God. You make your request, your petition known to Father God. You've called him your father because he is your father. You worship and you hallow his name. You've asked for his kingdom come and his will to be done. Guess what? Ask. And it's not like you need to check off these boxes. All right, God, I did this. I did this. I did this. Now you're happy. You know? Or, or, Dad, you're, you're good. Now, now can I come before you? It's, it's not like that. It's just a natural overflow of the Christian's life is when we submit ourselves and when the gospel transforms and renews the way we think because the orientation of our life was once all about us, but in light of God's grace, it's now all about Him. And now that we've made prayer all about Him now, now we are coming to Him with our needs. And make no mistake, we come to Him with our needs we ask for God to give. But I thought God was sovereign. I thought there is no one like him, no one before him, no one uh, who will ever be like him. He is incomparable. All that he desires to do, his will, his purposes will not be thwarted. He will accomplish all that he sets to do. I thought God was sovereign. Yes, he is sovereign. And, not but, and Jesus is inviting us to pray because prayer changes things. Right? How? It's a beautiful dichotomy. I don't know. The sovereignty of God is not at odds with the generosity of God. A lot of times what we can do is we can throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, if we ask and if prayer changes things, that must not mean that must mean God is not sovereign. No, God is ultimately sovereign. And just because we believe that God is ultimately sovereign does not mean we just sit back, kick our feet and be like, "Well, everything's going to happen because he willed it, so I'm not going to pray or ask for anything." Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater one side or the other. God is ultimately sovereign. He will accomplish all of his purposes and his will. And God wants us to ask of him. Guys, the sovereignty of God is not at odds with the generosity of God. Why do we believe this? Because of Jesus' prayer, among other scriptures and other truths. We believe this because just after praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven now, we're asking in light of his kingdom come and his will to be done. God, give us this day our daily bread. 
But this asking, this requesting, is all in submission to God's will. I want you guys to hear Jesus on this, because unless we get too excited and we run ahead of the scriptures and claim what is not for for us to claim, we think, oh, really? Because we can easily drift into prosperity theology here if we abandon the will of God and the sovereignty of God in light of us requesting and asking. It's both and. What I mean by prosperity gospel is that you give your life to Christ, you be transformed by Jesus, that now all of a sudden God becomes all about you and the purpose of God exists to only make your life good, better, and happy. And you should never be sick, you should never struggle, you should never have any of those issues ever again. That's what we mean by prosperity gospel, and that is anti-gospel. The gospel is the good news which invades the mess of our life. And the gospel is the good news that sustains us through the mess of our life. So it's not prosperity. We petition in submission to God. We petition God in submission to God. So the will of God is not at odds with us asking. Woven within the will of God is that his children would come before him and say, Dad, needs. I'm going to make these needs known to you. That delights the heart of God. Guys, that delights the heart of God. If I can put it in the most simple terms, and then we're going to work through this idea and this text of what Jesus is saying. It's God's will for you to ask. Father God, give us this day our daily bread. Father, I believe that you are good. I believe that you are in heaven. And I believe that you, in fact, hear my prayers because you've adopted me as your own. We can feel comfortable and confident with coming before the throne room of God based on the assurance that we are children of God. And we are children of God not because of anything of our own doing. We were once slaves to sin. Now we've become slaves to righteousness. We were once living in darkness. Now we are part of the kingdom of light. We were once children of Satan and the enemy. And now we are children of God. We've been adopted as the result of his grace, of his benevolent love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the confidence we would ever have before God has never been on any righteousness of our own, but only and solely on the righteousness of God. So the only way we believe that God would hear our prayers and that we would have this confidence and that we could ask him anything is not because we somehow have earned it. Man, God, I nailed my devotions this week. Hear me. Actually, can I turn that, the tables, on you and me? On the, God, I failed this week. We often think, why would you hear me? And the answer is, because the grounds of which you come before me in prayer and ask has never been about you anyways. It's always been about Jesus' righteousness given to you. So that is the working of the gospel and how it affects our prayer life. And this is the, the, the confidence that we have in approaching God in prayer. And to reinforce this confidence, I want to give you some scriptures to think about 
to build our confidence in prayer. James 4, 2. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Oh, not me. Did Jesus not redefine the law and say that murder is when you hate your brother or sister? Ever had hatred towards someone? Define hatred. Their car is nicer than yours, and they got the promotion, and you didn't. Or they got that house. Hmm. Murder. I'm, I'm guilty. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so what do you do? You fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Hopefully that would reinforce some confidence. How about this Matthew 7, verse 7, just one chapter after Matthew 6. You can go there. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Everyone who, who asks, receives, and to the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. When it comes to prayer, and prayer is the context of which Jesus is talking about here, if you are not asking, will it be given to you? If you are not seeking, will then you find? If you are not knocking, then will the door be open to you? Verse 9, or which one of you, Jesus says. Isn't that interesting? The appeal that Jesus gives here is, you don't have because you haven't asked. And so what's the appeal for us then as Christians? Why should you approach the throne room of God in prayer? Or here's the answer, verse 9. Which one of you, if his sons ask him for bread, will give him a stone? I love that. Daddy, it's my birthday. Can I have a cupcake? No, son, but here's a rock. Enjoy. I'll put a candle on the rock for you. Just go ahead, and I'll give you a fork. Go. Or if he asks for a fish, Dad, can I have a goldfish? No. Here's a serpent. Here's a snake. Go ahead. Have fun. If then, <laughs> see, ridiculous, right? We're laughing. If then you who are evil know how to good gi- know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? You can have confidence before God in prayer because He knows how to give. Listen, if us earthly sinful fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more Jesus is showing us that greater than evil wicked fathers who know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give gifts to those who ask? Maybe we're not praying because we fail to see God for who He is. Father, God is a better giver than you and I will ever be. And what greatest gift could God give than the giving of his one and only son, Jesus? You need evidence that God is generous. You need evidence that God would so love you in the midst of your sin. Look to the cross. For he so loved the world. And then Jesus goes on to say to reinforce this even further. 
right before, we actually, this is our first sermon on the Lord's Prayer before we actually dived into the prayer. Verse 7 of chapter 6, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father, why, why should we not be like them? For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Hmm. Those of you who are regulars at like that, that restaurant, you go to that place you go for lunch, right? And you walk in, and they know you're getting the usual. You're getting the half-pound poke rice on the side. Yep. For me, uh, it's coffee, right? Can I get my tall 12-ounce whole milk, two-pump vanilla latte? High maintenance, I know. Oh, Lord, I forgive, right? Is he speaking English? No, Italian, actually. But... Um, what does that do when, when, you be, when, you, when you walk first into a restaurant and you see the menu and you're like looking at it, you're like, uh, you're, com- you're like, uh, no confidence. Never been there. You, you don't know what the food is. Like, you don't know if they're going to deliver. You know if it's going to be good. But if you've been to a place regularly, they, in fact, when I used to work at Starbucks, if, I, if we were slow and I'd see a car pulling in and I'd recognize the car, I'd start working on their drink before they came in. Sometimes they ordered a different drink, which is on me. But, but most of the time, they would get the drink. And, and so when, when, when we would go to a place where we're regular and we order something that we've been there before, we order with a confidence. Before we utter a word in prayer to Father God of any need we and petition we would bring before Him, Father God already knows those needs before we even speak them. What, to, what, sort of, what does it do to your confidence in prayer? You're not like walking up to the menu of, of God in prayer being like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. God's like, hello. I know what you need. You ask. But have I not been faithful and delivered to you in the past? The fervent prayers of a righteous, righteous man avail much. He wills for you to ask. You come before him in confidence because he is Father God and because he already knows what you need. And when we pray, the sovereign arm of God is moved. Listen, God wants to lavish grace and blessing upon your life. The Bible is clear on that. Ephesians talks about that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So what you can think up in your mind and what you can conjure up in your courage to ask of God, God can exceed you in those areas. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to give you what you want. We're getting there. But asking ushers in and exceeds our wildest expectations. Do you not see that God is a good father? I want us to be convinced of this. He withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. You guys, he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. You know that's Psalm 8411? There was never something good for your life that God failed to give you. 
there was never something good for your life that God failed to give you. Yeah, but I, I mean, I was praying for this thing. It was pretty good. It was maybe good for you. But Father God, what if I gave my children everything they requested? They would have video games morning, afternoon, and evening with cake and dessert and cake for more dessert. Maybe some jelly. I mean, seriously, if they, and hey, you know what, dad, it's good for me. Jelly, there's fruit in jelly bellies. Yet we are children of God. There was never something good for your life that God failed to give you. And if it was good in your mind and God didn't give it to you, it's because God's sovereign, Father God, that's why we pray your will be done. He did not will for us to have that because it wouldn't be good for us. God, give to us. God, give us this day. We ask, we petition. So what are we petitioning for? What are we asking from God? Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. Bread. Bread, the source of life. Bread, the sustaining of life. The basic needs of humanity are met with bread. Bread is far more about our needs, isn't it, than about our wants? Because what are we not asking for here? God, give us this day our daily dessert. God, give, uh, give me tomorrow. Give me tomorrow's bread. God, give me next month's bread. God, give me next year's bread. We are asking for God to provide for us today. God, give us this day, in this present moment, God, would you meet my needs? And in our asking, we believe, Father God, will provide us what we need. God, give us this day, in this present moment, our daily bread. I'm reminded of Exodus chapter 16. Hundreds of thousands of God's children are aimlessly wandering in the desert for 40 years. While physically they were going in circles, God was revealing to them complete dependency upon him. Physically they were going virtually nowhere or spinning their wheels, but but God was spiritually bringing them to a destination of deeper, richer, further trust in Father God. And their seemingly aimless wanderings was God proving himself to be faithful, proving himself to provide, proving himself to meet their needs. Because how do you feed the mouths of hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children 
in the wilderness where there is no food or very little food, if any. Exodus 16 says manna. This mysterious food that falls from, from heaven. And God gave, you can read it later, God gave just enough manna from heaven to meet the needs of that day. Of course, for the Sabbath that day before, they were to take an extra portion. And guess what people did? When, they, when God finally dropped manna from heaven, they collected extra manna for the next day. And you know what it did? It spoiled. It became rotten. And then some would not collect and because they failed to trust Father God. Just before the Sabbath, they would not collect the next days, and they'd be standing around like, all right, God, where's the manna? And they wouldn't have any. There would, God, do you see the picture of dependency here? There was no food for them in the wilderness. If they, they needed provision from God or else they would not live. Like hundreds of, if God did not deliver and provide for them, they would not survive. Listen, all our life is gifted by and held together by the generosity of God. In fact, even for the non-Christian, you experience the common grace of God. You can taste food. T- food tastes good to you, even if you're a non-Christian. That, that's, is that not common grace? Is it not the common grace of God that we would have breath in our lungs? Like, who gave you the, who gave you the authority and the ability to think? Think about that. To breathe. All our life is gifted by and held together by the generosity of God. And while it may seem like your life is an aimless wandering in the wilderness, God is using the wilderness to prove himself to be faithful to you. Providing for us what we need just for today. God, give us this day our daily bread. Guys, God gives us daily bread for our daily dependency. God gives daily bread for your daily dependency upon him. And do you know when our souls declare, give us, do you know what's happening in that moment? Give us is us being vulnerable. Give us is us being humble. Give us is admitting our own insufficiency and our own fallibility. Give us is admitting that we cannot provide for ourselves. Only He can truly provide. Now, don't answer me out loud verbally, or even a yes or no. But do, I want to ask you, do you believe your heavenly Father will provide? And the answer is more than yes. 
If you believe, Father God will give you daily bread. If you in fact believe that, the answer will be revealed if in fact you come before Father God daily and ask him for daily bread. Because if you believe that, if we believe that daily, we would come before him and ask, hey dad, I need, I need bread. Would you meet my needs? The evidence you believe God will give you daily bread is if you ask him in prayer. And what we learn from this statement of Jesus here, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus wants us to come to the Father daily in prayer. Jesus wants us to constantly come before God for sustaining satisfaction for our life. Jesus wants us to ask daily for God to give us bread to reveal evidences of his grace. And to ask for daily bread is not just a petition, it's a confession. God, we cannot live if you do not provide. God, we cannot sustain life if you are not our bread of life. I want you just to look down just for a moment. I want us to think about this. It's, it's, it's not ironic that these are nearly in the same context in the Sermon on the Mount. Just a few breaths later, verse 25, Jesus is speaking here. I think you can tie this reference back to even what we're talking about in the Lord's Prayer, obviously. It's one sermon. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink. Do not be anxious. Okay, I'll try not to be anxious. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Like, have you guys seen a bird stressing about what he's going to eat tomorrow? Is your life not more valuable than a bird? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? In other words, if not being anxious gives us life, then anxiousness eats away at the days of our life. Why are you anxious about clothing? Verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Interesting. Comes back to faith. It's not just about bread, is it? Therefore, verse 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what? Shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
There it is. He knows. Seek first. You don't need to seek the bread. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. The Gentiles, they place their trust in bread. The Gentiles, they place their trust in provision. Non-believers trust in things other than God. But we as believers, we are called for a greater trust. We do not place our trust in provisions, but in the provider. We trust in the one who gives the bread, not in the bread itself. We seek Jesus, we pursue God and not things. We trust in him and him alone. And when we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread, we are saying, God, I believe that should I continue to live, it's only because you are my sovereign provider. God, should my life be sustained, it's only because you've gifted me this life. You guys, God knows what you need. He knows that you have a mortgage payment. He sees your anxiousness. He sees your bills. He sees the struggles in your marriage. The trouble that's keeping you up at night with your child or children. God knows all of your struggles and he sees your singleness. Ask him for daily bread. Can't help but what Peter said, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. Your anxieties for daily bread Jesus is saying, you ask God for them. You don't wear them on your shoulders. And you can take your cares and lay them on Jesus. Yeah, but, but I want to hold on to these things and I care about them. No, no, no. You got to let those things go. You, you cast your cares upon him. He cares for you. So what are your needs this morning? What anxiety, anxieties have been wearing on your soul? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. In prayer, and the door will be opened. God will give you daily bread according to his will. Father God, wow, we just thank you that you are so generous. That through you, by you, and for you, all things are held together. 
that the thoughts that we have, that the breath in our lungs, that our very life is fully sustained by you. And not only do you sustain our life, you give generously life to us. And so we ask right now, God, I don't know what anxieties, I don't know what struggles, and I don't know what needs are brought in here this morning. But Lord, we, we believe For you to be good. We believe you to be Father, and we ask God, your kingdom come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Be our daily bread. Provide Jehovah Jireh. And Lord, while you rebuke us for having little faith, you also give us the faith to keep believing in you. You would show us by your grace how to pray and that in our prayers we can, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our struggles, still come before you and ask for daily bread. And so that's what we do. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your unconditional love toward us. In your name we pray, amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.